you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Hey fam, can you believe that we're approaching the end of 2022? I mean, I certainly can. I'm not sure if my recollection of time is somehow being subdued due to this constant immersion of mystical union with source sort of pulling me away from paying attention to time, or whether I'm just too dialed in with this sort of constant acceleration of time as we know it, you know, with our technology and our iPhones and just constantly being subject to this fast-paced world on the brink of some type of psychological meltdown. You know what I mean? Though it seems that every year, that sort of linear progression of time seems to get faster and faster and with really no sign of slowing in the future ahead. I mean, it really makes me wonder how really close we may be to a type of singularity point, you know, where some Silicon Valley C-sharp programmer somehow develops the technology to alchemize a type of artificial intelligence with, you know, the capability to awaken to itself. You ever wonder what that might look like? And while I think that there are some people that sort of resist this impulse we have to test the boundaries of what we consider known territory, I still welcome and accept any direction that sort of metaphorical wind happens to blow, you know, whether that means catapulting every life on earth into oblivion or collaborating with the changes, you know, even if that means learning how to work in harmony with robotic life. I mean, I'm basically just here for all of it, right? So we shall see. We shall see. It'll definitely be an interesting thing to experience and It most certainly is a fascinating time to be alive, right? So yeah, Jen will be back from traveling next week. But in the meantime, I wanted to address a series of questions we had uh, received from our listeners about a topic that I've spent quite some time contemplating in the past. And that is about whether affirmations work and specifically whether positive affirmations work. And the short answer is yes and no. And as inconclusive as that may sound, it may actually be the best answer considering how the polarities of this world are what seem to cause issues for us when we start defining things as all good or all bad, you know? I think the truth more than anything seems to always fall somewhere in between. Of course, when we learn this through mindfulness practices or if we're following what Buddhists consider the middle way, then taking a neutral stance towards affirmations seems to make sense. But in any case, I I do have some thoughts on this that I'd like to explore with you. So the question is, Do positive affirmations work? Okay, so the thing with positive affirmations is this sort of belief that if we control our thoughts, we can manifest a better reality, right? Not only that, but just that a positive mindset can ultimately lead to more positive outcomes in our life. But have we ever stopped to think that maybe, maybe it's this process of wrangling our thoughts that's responsible for our inability to manifest the life that we so desperately want affirmations to assist with? And, you know, as innocent as a positive affirmation seems to be on the surface, I mean, it it can be difficult to know how to correctly apply them in a way that doesn't make us seem like undiagnosed narcissists. I mean, when we think of the word affirmation, we have to really think about what affirm really means, which is to state something as a fact or affirm something that we believe is true. And, you know, the question about whether affirmations can work really, 
really falls within the sort of framework of whether or not you truly believe in what you're telling yourself. And more often than not, we don't. See, the truth is, it, it isn't enough to say affirmations. I mean, what's the point of saying them if it's not how we truly feel inside? If we say them without believing that what we're affirming is true, they simply just become words. So it is my view that it is better to become everything that you want to embody about the affirmations through a more type of holistic and natural approach. I mean, not just sound like the person that you want to be. So if we identify the core reasons of why we need affirmations in the first place, I mean, perhaps there wouldn't really be a need for us to use them. I think instead it seems that we fall into this trap of seeking external validation in alternative ways. And it's in that seeking, it's in that seeking that we sort of discover deep insecurities about how we truly feel inside. I mean, needing to affirm something we don't really feel encompasses some obvious doubts that we have. You know, needing an affirmation to validate how you feel reflects doubt. The assurance we seek reflects doubt. In the end, you know, perhaps it isn't words that we need in order to validate our divinity. Ultimately, you know, ultimately we have to think about whether or not it's even possible to get to the core of who we are with words. I mean, words are just words. So maybe, maybe instead of saying affirmations, I, I would advocate for being the person that you want to be by exploring whatever is preventing you from feeling whole. I think from the vantage point of love, it, it doesn't seem that we really need the approval of affirmations to constantly remind us of our worth. I mean, we're already the most beautiful fucking creation there is. I mean, all we really need to do is to stop pretending that we aren't, but not in a narcissistic way. I mean, the reason we use affirmations is because our words are always working collaboratively with the imagery of the mind. And anything we say produces a data set of images relative to the words that we use. So when we say that we're happy, our ego sort of scours the mind looking for imagery correlated with the times in which we were happy. I mean, we all know how strong the mind is. I mean, it'll show you all the most grandiose memories of the greatest moments in your life. But the imagery isn't the most integral part. I think what's powerful about the imagery is the sort of emotional charge and imprint that it leaves on us and our bodies and our spirits. So imagine saying an affirmation and in an instant, your body and your mind and your spirit all sort of assimilate the emotional charge of that happiness. And that's what we want to manifest. And we do it by familiarizing ourselves with the feeling of happiness. But it can't be manufactured happiness. But the one thing we often miss about all of this is that we don't need to remember what it's like to be happy. I mean, we don't need to visualize being a good person. In fact, I think the reason we feel like we aren't is because we constantly set these standards for ourselves of what it means to be a good person. And uh, typically they aren't practical and when we don't meet these requirements, we, we feel even worse, right? I mean, what is a good person? And who told you that you needed to be one? Of course, that doesn't mean that you should just be a bad person. But my point is this. Maybe it's these ideas that are causing these feelings of lack in us. Because when we say that we want to be a better person, I mean, we usually have just very impossible and romantic ideas of what that means, right? When we go a step further with, aff with an affirmation and we say, I am a good person, I mean... Who are you trying to convince? Yourself? Who told you that you aren't a good person? And if someone did in fact tell you that you weren't, I mean, why would you so easily believe them? I mean, we hardly believe anything we read on the internet, but it isn't interesting that we can allow one person to have that much power over the way that we perceive ourselves. Of course, that doesn't mean that you should just carry on hurting others or not treating others fairly if that's what you happen to be doing. It's true. People sometimes do bad things. But that doesn't mean that they're collectively bad people. 
You know, I would I would say that the reason good people fall victim to this idea of being a bad person is they overly identify with the bad things that they sometimes do. I mean, we make one simple mistake and the ego intervenes and starts trying to convince us that we suck. I mean, in some cases, maybe we do, but you know that that isn't enough to say that we are definitively a bad person. Now, I'm not talking about people out there that are deliberately hurting others. That that's a different thing. I'm talking about people in the spiritual community that are somehow convinced that they aren't good enough because at some point in their life, someone convinced them that they aren't. And I'm here to tell you that it's not true. And you don't need an affirmation to convince you that it isn't. See, the reason people fall into these feelings of inadequacy really has more to do with a type of misidentification with self than it does the actual sort of product of what comes as a result of our, let's just say, negative actions towards ourselves or others. I mean, the mind is an extremely strong tool. And it will try and convince us that we are things that we wouldn't even imagine that we are. I mean, our minds judge us way more than our worst enemies ever could because it knows everything about you. You know, it knows your weaknesses, your fears, your hopes, your dreams. And what one, one would think that our own mind would choose a side at some point in the game, but you know, the ego is not in the business of being good. It's not even in the business of being bad. It, you know, it's, it's in the business of surviving. It's in the business of making absolutely sure that you depend on it for everything. That includes your happiness and your pain because uh, the ego is just, it doesn't work within a moral compass. You know, that's, that's the spirit's job. The ego works within the realm of survival. And the only way for the ego to survive is to just to make sure that you are constantly chasing ideas, memories, feelings, emotions, and dreams. And whether these feelings bring joy or unbelievable pain really makes no difference to the ego. It will make sure that you feel all of it because uh, the ego is, is, is like a muscle, right? It's a muscle that likes to be exercised. And we all know what happens when we exercise muscles, right? They get stronger. And the more you rely on the ego, the stronger it gets. And the way the ego sort of like exemplifies this strength is by slowly trying to convince you that it is you. I mean, eventually you won't even to be able to tell the difference between what you are and what you're not. You know, you go around sort of confidently telling others that you're the baddest motherfucker that ever lived just because you have a million dollars or five cars or one million followers and, you know, an image so grandiose, you won't even realize that you're being used by your own ego. You won't even realize how much you're deeply fractured inside. I mean, narcissism is a perfect example of how this whole thing plays out, you know, because Narcissists sort of refuse to admit that they don't really feel the happiness that they claim to feel. So what do they do instead, right? They demand that others validate the image that they portray, even if it's not at all what they feel inside. That's what they do. It's a perfect, really a perfect example of the ego, of how the ego can sort of take an affirmation and force you to feel something that you don't really feel. You see, all we're doing when we call ourselves certain things is we're identifying with ideas, right? We're identifying a certain philosophy we have over the experiences that we've been through. And then saying, look, this is me. That is you. You're an asshole. You're beautiful. You're clever. You're shy. All those things. And, and as simple of a statement that it seems to either criticize someone or compliment someone, you know, in the wrong hands, in the hands of the ego, we can either sort of start wars with ourselves and attempt to deny our negative judgments of ourselves or start a war with ourselves trying to sustain this feeling we have of being perfect. And this is due to a misidentification of self with ego. And we have to sort of unfuck our minds by realizing that what we are 
can never be accurately defined or characterized by thoughts or words or even feelings. So it's important to realize how ephemeral it all is. So I wanted to share a story with you guys. So there's this Harvard professor named Richard Alpert. You may be familiar with him. So he set off on this quest to become one of the greatest clinical psychologists in his field. I mean, that's who he believed he was, right? So up until the introduction of psychedelic medicine in the 60s, which completely altered the trajectory of his work and sort of led him to India where he sat at the feet of his guru, Maharaji Ji. And he returned from that experience as the great spiritual teacher we all know is Ram Das. And I'm sure, you know, no one in Harvard saw that one coming. And then when he returned, not even his father was sort of convinced of this new persona he had brought back with him because in his father's mind, he was still the Harvard professor Richard Alpert, right? So Ram Das amassed thousands of followers on the pursuit of spiritual enlightenment. And so he sort of self-actualized this image of being a spiritual teacher. And, and rightly so. I mean, he was one of the most profound teachers of our time. But that's who he was. And he sort of embodied that role with just unbelievable grace. And he often acknowledged that it was simply a role that he was playing. And what he meant by role is that he sort of understood that it was something that wouldn't last forever. And that it was something that could just so easily change. And for him, it certainly did. I mean, more so for us, but definitely for him. Because in 1997, he had a stroke. And so the person that we all previously knew as Ram Das just changed. I mean, almost instantly, what, what seemed to be overnight, you know, th this man that gave two-hour-long lectures on the nature of consciousness just suddenly became a man unable to articulate his words or speak publicly in the same way. And no one, I mean, really no one saw that one coming. And so why is this important? Well, because Ram Das became really a living embodiment of his practice. And that practice was detachment from identification with forms and roles, realizing that life is change. And despite the body that changes, there's still something inside that remains the same. And he was a living embodiment of that teaching. So you can say that you're any number of things, happy, sad, good, or bad. I mean, you can call yourself a healer, a businessman, a beautiful person, an ugly person. And we can live our lives under this assumption that this is who we are. And we'll do that up until the moment that it all just falls apart right before our very eyes. I mean, I, I don't mean this to sound negative because it's not. The only negative thing about it is when we sort of limit the expanse of our spirit with these roles that we know will change at some point. Because our identification with roles sort of leaves us vulnerable to the pain that occurs when we can't fulfill those roles in the way that we expect to. I mean, not to mention the pain we feel when we've invested so much of our energy into these roles only to have them sort of fall apart or change in the event something like a pandemic happens. I mean, why would we want to be thrown around like this? Look, my, my point is this. Affirmations are useful, but only when we're aware of who or what inside is listening, right? We can use affirmations as a way to sort of anchor our awareness into the love and magnificence of our own being. Or we can use affirmations as a way to sort of convince our ego of a worth we know. We know it doesn't have the capacity to handle in a humble way. You know, all that will happen is you'll perpetually try and convince yourself of something you don't really feel, but you'll still choose to believe it, right? And you'll act like you're the happiest, most abundant person in the world, yet you'll still feel enormous amounts of insecurity because as much as you want to manifest a better you, it's still coming from a place of inadequacy and lack. And this insecurity, will it will definitely show its face in your life as 
narcissism, pretentiousness, and anger. Because as much as you say or act like you're the coolest motherfucker that ever lived, I mean, you know in your heart it isn't coming from a pure place. So until you find the core reason of why you need affirmations in the first place, I mean, this will always be the case. Because in order for affirmations to work, you know, we, we need to have enough wisdom to know what is real and what isn't. You know, what is real is the love that we have inside waiting for us to awaken to it. What isn't real are words that we use to hype us into thinking and believing that we're something that we're not. I mean, in my opinion, it's better to think of affirmations as reminders sort of pointing us in the direction of a superpower that we all know that we have, and that is love. And instead of operating from an identity we create for ourselves, instead of trying to manifest abundance from an identity that we create for ourselves, I mean, we instead, we instead manifest abundance solely from a place of love, and then just work from there. I mean, you can call yourself a magnificent, beautiful flower all day long, but if there isn't love backed behind those words, I mean, all you'll do is create a conceptual self and just sort of work tirelessly to protect that conceptual image that you've created. And trust me, I mean, you can drive yourself into the fucking ground trying to make that stick. So I would say that it is better to work from love and just start from there. And you may say at this point, well, I don't feel like a loving person. And what I would say is, you know, every human being on this planet has a capacity to love. The issue isn't that you aren't loving. The issue is that you've developed reasons to believe that you're not. And those reasons are more or less powering your ship. Because, you know, for affirmations to work, we, we need to figure out the reason we need them in the first place. And that reason usually comes down to lack of self-love and issues of self-worth, right? This is what I would encourage anyone, anyone to focus on first, because if we can tackle that, then you know affirmations can be an extremely powerful tool to help sort of remind us of this self-actualized love that we all have. You know, the last thing that we want to do is use affirmations as a way to validate what we don't feel. Because the only force inside of us that needs validation is ego. You know, the spirit doesn't require any type of validation. I, I think that at the most fundamental level, we don't need to acquire love because the spirit is fundamentally made up of this shit right? It's made up of love. It can never not be loving because deep down, intrinsically, it's what we are. It's really only a question of whether you are aware of that. Now, I did want to say this, you know, operating purely from love won't automatically equate to wealth or success or power in the way that you want it to, but it'll definitely be a much more pure and holistic way to begin your process in obtaining it. Because even if you don't end up being successful or wealthy, you'll still have something that no one can ever take from you. And, and that, that is the love that you have for yourself, right? That is the love that you have for being alive. Now, this doesn't mean that just sort of simply go around acting like you love yourself. I mean, loving yourself isn't as simple as just believing it. I mean, that's what narcissists do. I mean, loving ourselves is a simple awareness of what self is and what self isn't. And the best way, the really the best way to tell if we're coming from a loving place is that everything that we say and do just becomes beautiful, right? It becomes compassionate. It becomes caring towards others. So I wanted to share a story about Muji that I think is definitely relevant to what we're talking about. So there was a student one time that once asked Muji a question. And he asked him, so he asked him, how do I know if what is speaking inside is ego or spirit? And Muji responded and he says, you'll know because its energy is beautiful and will sound like poetry. He says, you'll know because it doesn't ask for anything. So have you ever heard a song just so beautiful that it invoked feelings of beauty and love in you? 
Or have you ever watched a sunset in awe of how sort of majestic and beautiful it was? Or that feeling that you had in your heart, you know, the first time that you kissed the love of your life, you know, that feeling, that feeling is you. And the journey in life is sort of figuring out a way to bring that feeling into everything that you say and do in your life. So I hope you enjoyed that bit of reflection. I mean, I'm always so grateful to share the things that I've learned along my path with you all. And the hope is that we all continue sharing our light with each other and, you know, as Ram Das would say, continue walking each other home. So thank you guys for tuning in to Buy Nobody's podcast. It's always, always a beautiful, beautiful journey to spend with you guys. So if you guys are interested in the pod and you enjoyed the episode, please consider like and subscribing uh, on the platform that you happen to be on. If it happens to be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we're on all the different platforms. We also actually show the video portions of these talks on YouTube. So if you're interested in uh, watching these on video, definitely consider liking and subscribing. We also are on Instagram if you'd like to see some additional content from our podcast. We'd love to have you and join our community. So yeah, consider doing that and I will talk to you guys soon. Namaste fam.